Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. And hi, 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 everybody. I'm so happy to be sitting down in a moment of total peace and quiet just to talk to you today. I have uh, been through a roller coaster of a week. I don't even know really where to begin. It's, I have so much to share, so let's see where, where I'm going to start. I think I think we should start with a couple of deep breaths. So wherever you're at right now, let's drop right into the body. So just wherever you're at right now, whatever is moving through you without any judgment, without any expectation, just drop into the body. You can close your eyes if you have that space. And feeling in this moment just what it feels like to be right here. What it feels like to be right here, right now for you. And sometimes when we drop into that practice of just witnessing or feeling or noticing, it takes a little bit of time to actually get to the core of what's going on and how we're doing. So give yourself a little bit of space. Have you had a really stressful day today? Are you feeling at peace? Is there calm around you or anything hectic? Is your mind busy or do you feel like there's some moments of quiet here that you can easily tap into just wherever you're at? If you're in a place that's been challenging or you feel like you're struggling or if you're in a place of total flow and ease, whatever is there, let it be there. Whatever is there, let it be there. So drop into the practice of just allowing. And if you're experiencing something challenging, give a little more space for that feeling to just expand inside of your heart right now. Especially if you're going through something challenging, if what you're feeling right now is frustration or stress or fear or anything else, those feelings that we oftentimes try to avoid, especially those, if you can, 
Just let yourself sit with it for a second. The beauty of, of emotion is the moment we allow and welcome them, things start to shift and move. What we resist persists, right? So emotional state definitely works that way. And if, of course, if you're feeling, you know, joyful or grateful or just easygoing and happy, of course, allowing that feeling to expand inside of your heart as well. So basically just whatever's here, let it be. What I'm feeling right now, hmm, I've literally had a, an entire week, seven whole days of teaching, guiding, leading the art <laughs> of feeling our feelings. I've co-led a retreat, our Healing the Heart retreat, together with my dear friend and teacher, Shuba. Shuba was my teacher in my very first time I ever went to Path of Love. So if you ever heard any of those podcast episodes, the teacher that I talk about sometimes, that's her. And over the past three years, she's become a really dear friend. We were pregnant all at the same time and had our babies four hours apart, which is just magical. Yeah, she's just an amazing, amazing human being. And her work lies, well, she's a psychologist to begin, but her, her work lies in trauma healing. And she has a really beautifully holistic, heartfelt, loving way to guide people through that healing process. And I resonate with it with every fiber of my being. So since I went to Path of Love, since I had my own big week of healing, I, I had that little kind of seed planted in the back of my head that, okay, one day, you know, I'm going to do what she does. One day I'm going to take all of this yoga that I've been doing for so long, because especially then I'd grown really bored with the idea of, yeah, I'd grown really bored with the idea of, of asana and I didn't feel passionate anymore about, you know, guiding people just through just a class. And I felt like there's so much more, there's so many more layers of depth to go when it comes, especially healing trauma and yoga, you know, we can just kind of scratch the surface with, with our practice. So to get to that place of deepening. When I was in that process, I had it in the back of my head, like, oh, one day I'm going to do what she does. And basically the past three years has been me moving toward that and training and learning and growing in that field. So this week, co-leading this retreat with, with her at Island Yoga was absolutely amazing. So when I myself just place my hand on my heart right now and I drop in, it feels so easy you know, the more often in a day that we allow ourselves to pause, close our eyes and just check in, the easier that practice becomes. And with time, you know, I think especially in the beginning, we really need someone to remind us all the time. Like we need that great yoga teacher that we go to who reminds us to breathe, who reminds us to feel, who guides us to a place where we just feel vulnerable and, and it's easy to access the heart. Or we need, you know, a friend to be, you know, to go like, hey, are you, are you really okay? Like, do you want to talk? You know, we need someone to kind of grab us and really check in. Or we need moments of total, total challenge to kind of force us to that place when we've been resisting for a long time and then finally we, we arrive. And the more we actively drop into that practice on our own, so pausing to feel, right? Pausing for a moment to just be really mindful and see how am I doing right here, right now? The easier it becomes to keep that, not just as a practice, but as a part of life, 
where again and again throughout the day you have that just kind of reminder of checking in. Okay, how am I feeling? What do I need? Am I acting out of the present moment right now? Am I acting from my heart? Is this genuine? Or am I reacting to something because I'm stuck in this loop of feeling not enough maybe? So what I feel now, and I'm just doing that super simple, easy check-in, it feels really easy because I've literally been practicing it and teaching it a hundred times a day for the past for the past seven days straight. And what I'm feeling right now, hmm, I feel tired, but it's not the first feeling. It's this kind of underlying current of of a nice sense of tiredness, not exhaustion, not you know frustrated tiredness but like a nice relaxed tiredness that sits underneath yeah in the back of everything I can feel it almost vibrating through my through my skin right now so yeah I'm tired but I feel really really peaceful right now I feel really peaceful I feel I feel so grateful first of all that that I get to do this kind of work you know we had 50 women join us this week each one with their own, you know, stories, of course, and each one with their own pain and their own traumas and their own, you know, everyone has moved through really intense, you know, grief or abuse or loss or separation, disease, I mean, everything you can imagine. And going into a week like this where we really dig in and we do the work and we start to uncover everything that we haven't looked at, maybe for our you know, throughout our whole entire lifetime, all the things that have, you know, been there that maybe have been too painful, too raw, too sore for us to deal with, just taking the step toward uncovering that to see and look and feel that wound or the many wounds that we have so that we can begin the process of real healing. I mean, just deciding to do that takes tremendous amount of courage. I mean, it takes so much courage and every group we have at, at Island Yoga, at the studio, every group I lead, I mean, I, I always leave the groups feeling in total awe and just so much beauty in each group that comes here. But this group specifically, because it was so trauma-centered, this was not a vacation. We had no time on the beach. <laughs> it wasn't like our normal retreats where we go sailing and we also have beach time and you get to spend time in the sun. And we have these designated mornings and afternoons for sessions and practice. We've been going from 7 a.m. till 9 p.m. every day for seven days, you know, all day, all day. We've basically moved into the Luna Shala and deciding to go on that kind of journey. I mean, it, it means that you've made your way to a point in life where, where enough is enough, right? Where you've had enough, you've been through enough shit in your life and you don't want to spend one more day of your life not feeling 100% alive and here. When you've lived through so much trauma or so much pain or so much loss and it's been accumulating for a long time but you haven't had any space or any, you know, maybe you haven't had a safe space to actually process that because that's the first thing we need. How could we ever process the really heavy things that come our way when we don't feel safe if the environment we're in doesn't allow for that kind of process? And most of us, you know, we didn't grow up that way. Fortunately, I think... You know, I like to think that with our, there's a new generation forming where we're teaching our children that it's okay to be vulnerable, teaching little boys that, you know, you don't have to toughen up and it's okay to cry. And 
instead of kind of covering everything up. And I can see that in myself sometimes with the baby, not now because I'm very conscious about it now, but in the beginning, you know, whenever she would fall or she would hurt herself or whatever, and I would run up and I go, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You know, and actually, what if it's not okay? You know, is that the first thing I want her to go for every time she feels any type of pain in life? It's like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry, let's not feel anything. You're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Like, maybe it's not fine. You know, maybe she just scrubbed her knee, but maybe for that, you know, two minutes, it's not fine. Like, to give her that space to actually feel pain when it's there and feel safe doing that. And knowing that that pain, it's a part of life. Um, Sadness is a part of life, getting frustrated, getting angry. It's a part of being human. And those feelings need to be celebrated just as much as we celebrate happiness, for instance. That it's okay to be angry. And how can we teach our kids to actually process anger in a, in, a, in a solid, you know, really good way? So for most of us, we didn't grow up that way. And for me specifically, um, and we've been talking about this uh, quite a bit this week, but, you know, how we relate to vulnerability and how we deal with vulnerability or how, how we act when we're put in a vulnerable situation. And of course, it's going to reflect so much on how we grew up. So... When I think of my own past, how what was my experience with vulnerability growing up, I had these two sides of the coin. I mean, very, very opposite, but so much in my life. And I feel super blessed with that now because I have a mom and a dad that are polar opposites. I mean, in everything. Absolute, total polar opposites. So I've learned how to navigate so much and so many different parts of the emotional landscape just by being blessed with those two parents. But my mom is a very vulnerable person. I mean, very, very vulnerable person, very emotional. She kind of, you know, has her heart like way on her sleeve all the time. And and when I was little, I always saw her as very fragile and I was always scared she was gonna she was gonna commit suicide or she was gonna be sad all the time. And she was sad a lot. So in that sense, it was almost like for me as a child, it was too much. I didn't know how to process that then, but I saw her sad so much and she also went through so many horrible things that led her to be sad, of course. But when I was little, it was just all I knew and and I would see her cry and I would see her sad and see her emotional and kind of, you know, so many moments of my childhood where I remember like so clearly just her having a breakdown in the grocery store or driving the car. And it became this very sensitive thing for me where I felt like I could never trust her really you know she I didn't feel like she was reliable with her emotions she wasn't stable and tears became for me this sign of total panic almost you know if you're crying it means like the world is about to end if you're crying it's because someone died if you're crying maybe you'll cry so much you won't know how to stop you know like the crying and, and being vulnerable and feeling was this bottomless pit and it was really scary because I always felt a lot of fear around my mom being vulnerable and being emotional and being sad a lot. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. We thrive when we feel supported. So ladies, if you need more support in some areas of your life, try a bra from Third Love. Third Love has created the most revolutionary, comfy and supportive bras imaginable. Using millions of real women's measurements, they took breast size and shape in mind for an impeccable fit and an incredible feel. They offer double the number of sizes that most brands offer, an incredible 70 sizes with cups from A to H, including exclusive half cup sizes and bands up to 48. You can easily find the 
the perfect one for you by taking Third Love's Fit Finder quiz, and you'll be among 12 million women who have found their perfect size to date. Their team of expert fit stylists are also dedicated to helping you find the right bra for you, and they are available every day via text, chat, or phone. In 60 seconds, your order can be placed and on its way to your house. With Third Love, the details make the difference, from premium fabrics to expert design. They use ultra-soft fabrics, lightweight memory foam cups, straps that won't slip, and tagless labels to avoid itching to create the most comfortable bra you will ever wear. You have 60 days to wear your bra, wash it and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Try a Third Love bra today and surrender to the support it will give you. If you don't agree, returns and exchanges are always easy and free. Third Love knows there is a perfect bra out there for everyone. So right now they are offering my listeners 15% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash heart right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off of your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heart for 15% off today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So I had that... that on one side with my mom and then I have my dad who is total opposite I mean total opposite not super into feeling his feelings <laughs> I'm not gonna speak for him but at least growing up you know never saw him cry never saw him sad never saw him ever express any kind of vulnerability in that sense ever I mean the first time I ever saw my dad cry was when my great-grandmother died maybe a decade ago already and I remember being so shocked, you know, because I never saw him cry. I never, ever in my life saw him cry, not even that little tear, you know. And I saw him cry in the church during the funeral. And and it, I remember it, it just broke my heart open with so much love because I, I never saw him ever express any type of emotion. And I think it led me to believe that he was almost emotionless, you know. And I had a really intense experience with him when I was I was nine or maybe eight and we were on a trip. We were in Thailand, just my brother, my dad and me. And we always went on these amazing trips with my dad and he's super good at just like we had so many amazing adventures and, you know, really got to see the whole world with him. And with my dad, I could always kind of, what I remember growing up is I could be really angry with him. I never feared anger around him because I kind of knew I could be angry and, and it would pass, right? But with my mom, I felt so nervous about her being sad all the time that I felt like I could never be angry with her. So already since a little girl, I knew how to separate emotions between my parents. But anyway, we were in Thailand and there was this incident during the trip where my dad had put some money away in the safe in the hotel room and it went missing, the money disappeared. So it was stolen. And I had no idea you know, who, if it was someone who was cleaning the room or you know, someone working at the hotel or whatever, but it was apparently like a sizable amount of money gone. And I had, hadn't touched it. Like I hadn't seen it, you know, and, and, and he went through all this stuff, couldn't find the money, became kind of panicked and then called the reception, you know, and eventually sat me and my brother down. So I was eight or nine and my brother must've been like six or seven. And he really sat us down and he was like, okay, listen, this money missing. If you guys played with it, you know, if you found it somewhere and, and you played with it or you put it away, it's okay. You know, you just have to tell me because I need it now. 
and I didn't take it. So I just said, no, no, I, no, I, did, I didn't take it. And then he really looked at me and said, Rachel, I know you took it. And I think he was just so sure that we must have found it or played with it or something that it was just impossible that it would have disappeared without a trace. But I really didn't see it, you know? So I was like, no, no, I didn't. But then he pushed me so hard. He said, I know you took it. Just admit it now, admit it now. And then I started to cry because of course I was totally on the spot and um, he was pressing me and I didn't take it. And I started to cry and he looked at me and he said, ah, okay, well now I know you did it. You only cry if you did something wrong. You only cry if you're guilty and now you're crying. So I know you took it. So you're going to stay here in the room and your, your brother and I are going to go downstairs and have dinner and you're going to stay here until you admit to us um, that you took the money. And then they left. And I was left in this hotel room there. I mean, just saying it now, I can kind of feel like my heart beating. Like, oh, like this was not, not, not like a traumatic situation, but it really was a big situation, a big moment in my life that I can trace back to fully realizing or believing that it wasn't okay to cry, right? Really, it wasn't okay to cry. If you cried, it means you were guilty. If you cried, it means you did something wrong, you know? I wouldn't cry unless something was wrong. But actually, I was crying because I felt sad, right? That he would think that of me or I felt pressured. I felt, you know, fearful. I was, I was just sad. That's why I cried. I really didn't take it. And I remember that moment of, you know, and eventually what, what had happened is my brother had it. <laughs> I think it was like there was like a solution to the whole thing where everything was fine in the end and he was little maybe he like played with it or put it somewhere or I don't know I honestly okay I, I can't fully remember but I remember like the, the situation resolved itself and my dad even apologized to me like okay I know you didn't take it now I'm sorry you know but that for me the damage was already done because it was such a vulnerable moment for me and I had let myself be vulnerable and he just kind of put the lid on and said like that's not okay and I, I remember really feeling that solidifying inside of me, like, okay, I'll, I won't cry again, you know. And for a really long time, I mean, a really long time, I didn't cry. I didn't cry. And my dad is still kind of like that. He's very, um, you know, like, like sometimes because I, I'm very vocal on the podcast about personal development and working through stuff and talk about my childhood a lot. And, you know, my childhood was beautiful and all horrible at the same time and grateful for all of it now. But and I'm a big believer in dealing with our past, you know, and especially the things we were conditioned to believe as children that maybe aren't true. And the things that we walk around with maybe now that are wounds from when we were little or the things we were lacking when we were little. And it doesn't mean that I have this resentment for my parents, not at all. I mean, I've been been there, done that, but not at all. I, I, I feel total gratitude for my parents, for everything they brought me because it led me down this perfect path. Um, I did have resentment for them. I mean, my whole teens and I think when I started kind of this seeking journey, I felt resentful toward both of them, but... It's something that I've really worked through and now we can talk about so much of this really openly. But for me, not crying and having a lifetime of pushing down my tears and hiding my sadness and sucking it up, that's been a big theme for me, sucking it up to not show vulnerability because vulnerability was either too much, right, with my mom or it was not at all with my dad. So I have this already kind of, you know, weird sense, weird upbringing with how to process feelings and, and how that sits in me now. And even as I'm doing this work, and sometimes I'll kind of confront my dad about these things like, hey, you know, I mean, he has young kids now. And sometimes I'll say something or we talk about my sister and I say, you know, it's important that if she's sad, that, that you let her be sad. Like she's a teenager. It's, it's hard to be a teenager. 
because they sometimes fight a lot and things like that. And then he always goes, he says, Rachel, life is great. There's nothing to ponder. There's nothing to think about. You don't have to go into the past. Everything's great. Everything's fine. Everything's fine all the time. You know, we have nothing. No one's ever sad. You know, no one's angry. Which kind of like in one way I admire in him because he really lives his life that way. As like, you know, like what's there to worry about? Just like be happy all the time. But fact of the matter is, we're not happy all the time. I mean, we're not supposed to be happy all the time. And thinking that we're supposed to be happy all the time, that that's the default of life. It sets a really dangerous, I mean, tone. Um, because it means that every time you drop into anything else, which, you know, the natural cause or natural flow of life is going up and down. And, you know, it's, it's supposed to be high and low. But if every time you feel low, you feel like something is, you know, dramatically wrong, holy shit, you know, put a pause on everything. If something's broken, something's wrong, how are you going to get away from that sadness? How can you escape it? How can you numb yourself? How can you, you know, do something else? You're going to start drinking or smoking or gossiping or creating drama. I mean, we're going to find ways to escape or to try to numb those feelings if we think that we have to feel happy all the time, which creates a miserable life. I mean, for sure. <laughs> Escaping our emotions and resisting our emotions and pushing them down creates a very, very, very difficult um, difficult reality to, to live with. And at some point, we're gonna end up in a place where where we feel like enough is enough. You know, I want to live life with my heart open. And for me, still to this day, and it's something I practice, I practice all the time. Oh my God. The reason I have a podcast called From the Heart is for most of my life, I didn't feel safe feeling my own heart. For most of my life, I didn't feel like I could actually express myself speaking from my heart. I didn't feel like I could be vulnerable. I didn't feel like it was safe for me to express what I was feeling. So, you know, actually, I kind of hate vulnerability. <laughs> I mean, hate is a strong word, but I'm not one of those mushy people who who can easily cry with anybody or, you know, it's, I wasn't born that way. I didn't grow up that way. It's something I've had to practice all the time. And I practice it through writing by sharing my emotions in a really vulnerable way on Instagram, on Facebook, through social media, through writing books, through blog, all that stuff. I do it here on the podcast, the way I'm speaking to you right now. And those two things I find are kind of I'm not going to say a cop-out because it's not. It's very, very genuine. But it doesn't compare to sitting in front of someone, having them look you in the eye and express that same emotion in the moment. Right? It's a different type of vulnerability to actually let yourself be seen and to actually let yourself be seen in that emotional space. So it's something that I make myself practice all the, all the, all the time. And it doesn't come easy, you know, it really doesn't. And it's it's something if, I, if I'm not present with it, I'm really good at sweeping everything under the rug. I'm really good at soldiering on and pushing through and filling my days, getting really busy and working a lot. And I can have a really intense period of work. And all of a sudden, I just like, I start feeling like crap. My body starts tensing up and I feel stressed or I start fighting with Dennis about stupid things. And it just takes me to this place where I have to, sit down and just kind of look like oh my god what is it what what's wrong like what's here to realize like oh okay well I had that encounter with that and that person that really hurt me the other day really really hurt me I felt totally abandoned or I felt totally overlooked and you know and instead of processing that I just put the lid on 
and I went about my day. And then just that one incident of feeling abandoned in a, in a, in a you know, minor way with a friend or whatever it was, that feeling or that energy, that heavy, heavy energy inside of me just starts to grow and it grows and it grows and it expands and it becomes, you know, the more I avoid it, the long, it's like, it's like I'm a balloon waiting to blow. And the moment I realize it, like, hey, and I sit down and either it's with a friend or it's with Dennis. Oh my God, Dennis, he holds so much space for me, this beautiful man. And I start saying what's actually up, you know, it's like, hey, I have been a little tense these past couple of days. And, and he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then I start sharing. And then, you know, when, within five seconds, I'm crying and I'm bawling. And all I have to do is just share the story. And I feel this way because of that. And I know it's not reasonable. Like objectively, I can, I can, I know I'm an adult. Why do I feel this way? But my heart feels this way anyway. You know, it doesn't matter if, if my, what my mind tells me, like what's true is what my body tells me. And then I need, I just need that really good cry and he'll hold me and I cry. And then before I know it, the sadness gone is gone and the tears are gone. And then I feel, you know, really warm inside and kind of mushy. And just, I get this immediate urge to be close to the people I love. And then suddenly everything flows with ease again. And, and it's just so, so beautiful to witness a whole entire group of people moving through this together. Of course, everyone is moving individually because we all have our own stories, but also together because the because the experience we're creating is something that we co-create together with other people. So we let ourselves be vulnerable with someone else or we see their vulnerability, which opens the door to our vulnerability and it goes both ways. And it's why, you know, whenever I have moments where I'm crying on the podcast and you're listening on the other end and suddenly you feel your heart cracked open and you're reminded of that thing that you're working on and then it softens your heart and then you can share and then you can feel, it, you know, it's like, rings on the water it just spreads and spreads and spreads you are listening to from the heart conversations with yoga girl i have many morning rituals i meditate drink celery juice practice yoga and i take a multivitamin but not just any multivitamin i take one that fits perfectly with my daily ritual and it's called ritual rituals essentials is the obsessively researched vitamin for women that contains the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from our food and the part i love the best is all the nutrients are in their cleanest most absorbable forms there are no shady additives or ingredients in the morning with breakfast i take two easy to swallow capsules and i'm provided with the nine nutrients i need to support a strong foundation for my health Ritual is the vitamin reimagined. The company was started by a woman who couldn't find a multivitamin on the market that wasn't questionable. She began from the ground up to bring women everywhere D3 to omega-3 and fill the gaps in our diet in a healthy and transparent way. Ritual is traceable and transparent in more ways than one. The super cool oil in beadlet design is completely see-through. And for obsessive label readers like myself, all of Ritual's vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients and their sources are 100% out there for the whole world to see on their website. For your added convenience, Ritual is subscription-based. For $1 a day, Ritual is delivered right to your door, no strings attached. Keep on top of your health and start a new Ritual right now. Better health doesn't happen overnight. And right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash yoga girl to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Truth of the matter is, if honestly, vulnerability is what I feel the only thing that's going to really change the world. I mean, really, 
so much of our troubles on a on a personal level and a global level as, as humanity comes from comes from this rigidness this tense kind of suffocated anger that so many of us live with that actually causes us to act totally insane at times i mean really it's it's where violence comes from of course you know we have a whole lifetime of suppressing anger of course we're going to lose our shit one day it's not super it's not strange that that we have a society that looks the way it does and i think the more we we practice it ourselves the more we're going to be able to to really have that spread to the people we love and the people around us but so yeah so many pieces have come together this week and i was sharing a little piece of this on instagram just yesterday but we had we did something called a prayer meditation which is so unbelievably beautiful and basically means that And I mean, all the things we do is so much of it is, is, you know, would from the outside look really odd, <laughs> but once you've done it or experienced it, it's it's you know beyond beautiful. It's kind of like dynamic meditation. I talk about a lot on the podcast. Everyone listening that have no idea what it is, it's like okay, this sounds insane, and then we try it, and it is insane, but it makes total sense. <laughs> and then we realize how insane it is to not release our emotions every day. You know, that's insane. But we were doing the prayer meditation, and this week, just on a personal level, I mean, I've I've been sick. I've shared that on the podcast. I feel kind of bored talking about the fact that I'm sick. You can hear my voice right now. I'm still congested. Blah blah blah. I have been getting some answers, and also I I kind of feel like I overshared a little bit about my my health. Maybe <laughs> if there's such a thing, I've never once I've only once said that I overshared, and it's when I spoke about vaccinations with a baby that I regret. But I was actually asking for advice because a lot of people were telling me maybe you have mold toxicity in your house, and I wanted to know what does that feel like. And then I just shared my symptoms, and now every day I have like hundreds of people writing me their tips and advice, and you should do this and don't do that. And right now it's a little tiring, but I did it to myself, so I have no one to blame. But I did get some answers. I have a, I've, I'm super low on iron. <laughs> Apparently, it's not called iron. I thought it was iron because that's how you spell it. All of America was like, "Oh, it's so cute how you're pronouncing iron. So cute how you say it." And I had to go back to my Instagram story and listen to it. And I was like, "What? What's wrong with this?" Like, I I didn't get it at all. I was like, "Dennis, what's wrong with my pronunciation?" He's like, "I don't know." But apparently, okay, it's iron. <laughs> so I'm super low, like really low, kind of critically low on both the iron and also the iron. Fuck, both the iron. God damn it! And the iron deposits in my body, which means it's something that's been happening and happening over a long time. And I have been sick on and off since October. So, the question now is: there a reason why why my iron levels are low, like an illness or something that means that I can't absorb the iron iron in my fuck fucking fuck iron in my food, or is it my diet? And I eat a shit ton of foods. I mean, the high iron foods in, in the vegan diet. Like I eat all. I mean, the, the lentils and the leafy greens and nuts and tempeh and tofu and beans. And I mean, I eat a shit ton of that. So it's, I don't know. I, I feel I feel like it can't be purely diet related. I, at least I don't think so. But I'm doing more tests now, so I'm gonna find out. But this week, you know, every day I've woken up and I haven't felt a hundred percent. So it's been headache and sinus pain and just like phlegm in my chest kind of I, like I've had to get up 5 30 every day our sessions have started at seven or we started at seven in the morning and I've had to be up at 5 30 even though I live five minutes from the studio because I needed at least an hour and a half 
for my vocal cords to work every day. I would wake up and feel like I was so congested in my chest, like not my just my nose, but my chest. And I, okay, this is gross, but I've been coughing up. It's like, it's like there's a demon inside of me or something. I, I don't even know. It's, it's freaky. So every day, you know, I've kind of been holding the space, working with the group, leading the group with Shuba and also not feeling great and trying to rest in between, but of course not having that kind of space. And so on a personal level, it's been, it's been kind of the way it, my past groups have been. I, I've felt really vulnerable because I've been sick, which is a beautiful thing, but it also sucks to not be at your A game. You know, it sucks to, to wake up and feel like shit every day. I like, I can't even remember what it's like to wake up and feel normal. It's like being sick like this. It's my new normal now. It's, you know, I'm just used to it. People keep asking, are you better? Are you better? No, <laughs> but I don't want to say that. So I'm like, yeah, I am, I am, but I'm not, you know? So anyway, and then we did the prayer meditation yesterday after a week that's been just so, so emotional, so overwhelmingly beautiful. So many watching people have you know, pieces of the puzzle click, like watching it happen, watching the body release years of trauma or pain. It's, it's the closest I've ever been to God. I mean, it is, it is. And it's part of my life purpose. And it's something I feel so strong that this is, if you've ever taken a class with me, you know, it's, it's very little about the idea of yoga and, and everything about emotional release. And I know that's why I'm here. So I'm just, you know, feel so grateful that I got to lead this retreat with my teacher, you know, and, and, and learning so much. Um, but at the same time, it's also been been hard. So in the prayer meditation was the kind of the first or the only thing all week where I was able to participate 100% because it's not led or guided throughout. Um, you do it, you do it on your own. And I was feeling tired and I'm kind of, so the idea of prayer, um, I always get questions about this. Prayer, when I speak of prayer, or when we speak of prayer, it doesn't have anything to do with religion, unless you really want it, you know, unless you feel authentically in your heart, like religion is, is for you and, and prayer for you is, is sacred because of your religion. For me, it doesn't connect at all with any institution, any religious belief or any religion at all. Prayer is getting to that moment in life where you realize that I can't do this on my own anymore. Where, where, where you just, you're out of answers, you've tried everything, or maybe you've been through pain for a long time, or you feel like you're stuck, like we're all going to get to a place where eventually we have to surrender to something greater than us. For a long time, I felt really uncomfortable with the idea of, of or the label of God. I'm Swedish, Swedish is the least religious country in the whole world. I have no upbringing or practice of, you know, going to church or anything like that. And for me, the idea of God was, was like, oh, you know, you have to be kind of a fanatic or, you know, super Christian people talk about God and they believe in Jesus and they read the Bible. And I felt so foreign or so far from that. I didn't resonate with any of it ever. So I always would say, oh, the universe, I believe in the universe or great spirit or universal love, or I would, I would have my own words for it. But over the course of the past couple of years, I feel really comfortable with the word God. I feel really close to God just not in that religious sense and saying that I'm that I'm a Protestant or a Catholic or a Buddhist or a Muslim or anything like that. Just God as surrendering into the unknown, surrendering to the fact that there is something greater than us. So the prayer connects to what we really long for in life, right? On that deep, deep, deep soul level. So it's not about, you know, 
it's not about finances or you know your house or this and that relationship but it's on this vast vast level of the soul you know the longing to feel safe the longing to feel like we belong the longing for for peace for peace for peace the longing to to let go you know the and our prayer and then it's 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 going to be different for everyone of course but in the meditation you get the opportunity to to really tap into several areas of your life and then pray for what you really need or pray for let prayer become a part of your beings after a while it's like you're not praying you are prayer and i'm moving and i'm breathing and i feel this so intensely and i had this the first thing really that came to mind, the first thing, and I just tilted my head back to the sky and we had the shala set up with candles and we were all in this mandala shape. Um, it was so, so, so beautiful, the moment. And everyone is so in tune and so open and so present. And all of our seven days really led up to this moment. And the first thing that came to me was Lea Luna. And it was so strong. It was just so, so strong, this pure light. I could just feel, you know, from my chest, this pure light of just... I'm speechless. I mean, I'm totally speechless and in awe of of all the light that she's brought me. I mean, I mean, and, and I kind of hate to say it, but I look at my life before and compared to now, it was gray and I didn't know it. You know, I felt like my life had so much color and of course it did, but just where I, the life I have now with her, it's like a rainbow. It's like, it's like seeing a rainbow if you never knew colors existed. Like that's how I feel being with her. And, and I just felt this immense gratitude for just, oh, like she chose me to be her mom, you know? And I really believe that we're destined to be here together and and for us to to walk this path, to to have this life together. It's it's just, oh, and I just, I started crying just with gratitude for her. And then in my next prayer came Dennis. And Dennis, like oh, always, whenever I'm, I'm in a retreat or a teacher training, because I work so hard. I mean, like this, I haven't seen them for a week. They come to the studio for breakfast just so I can like hug them for 40 minutes or something just so I can see the baby. But, and I get into this place where I just, I just go and, you know, I got to do what I got to do. So we get very few moments to connect in a week like that. You know, we're like barely talking and we see each other. I come home at nine and I'm exhausted and I have a half an hour before I pass out. And it's like, we're eating or, <laughs> you know talking about the next day or you know it's it's not we don't get a chance to connect like deep from the heart so and then the, as I was praying he just came to me and I just felt like oh like this man that I have in my life that I take for granted I know I do so much of the time he's always fucking there he's always there always unwaveringly like never leaves my side always there and he always wants to hug he always wants to hold me he always wants to be close sometimes he annoys me because he wants to be close so much and I'm a little different I need a little more space and just like oh, like he's he's a heart on legs my husband and I just was praying you know with gratitude for the fact that I, we found each other and you know I get to live my whole life with him and of course sometimes we struggle and we have our stuff but you know it's just Oh, just unbelievable magic and then I start crying even more you know just thinking of all the three of us together and just the beauty of it all you are listening to from the heart conversations with yoga girl 
Lealuna and I spent so much time in the kitchen together. I can tell she really loves it because I see her playing kitchen with herself in her room too. We make everything from celery juice to chocolate chip cookies and maybe she spits out some of the celery juice in the sink. I don't blame her. But chocolate chip cookies are one of her favorite things. I think they're everyone's favorite. There's nothing like walking into the aroma of a kitchen that has freshly baked cookies. And there's nothing like knowing that you'll enjoy those cookies with your daughter and soon you will enjoy them with a big glass of almond milk too. That is, if Dennis doesn't end up eating the majority of them straight off the rack before they've even cooled, which yes, has happened more than once. It's okay though, they are that good. When we make the cookies, Luna carefully adds in every chocolate chip one by one. It takes forever, but tossing them into the batter is her favorite part. And I like to keep my recipe super simple and traditional. I use brown sugar, soy milk, vegan butter, vanilla extract, baking soda, and of course, Bob's Red Mill one-to-one gluten-free baking flour. Bob's Red Mill is a super important brand for my family, and I'm so grateful they have them here in the supermarkets in Aruba, where I live. Their company does things differently. It's employee-owned, and you can tell they put their best work into all of their products. They have been offering organic, gluten-free, stone-ground items straight from their stone mill in Oregon for decades. You don't just get quality, you get flavor-packed, healthy foods that taste amazing and is made with love. If you want to learn more about this awesome brand and check out their products and recipes, go to bobsredmill.com. I keep praying and then suddenly I felt this kind of deep reverence for my body and I was moving and breathing and moving and breathing and I just felt really strong like my legs were almost merged to the ground and I felt I could feel my muscles gripping my bones and I just felt oh like I'm there's power in my body I'm really actually I'm really powerful this body birthed a baby like holy shit <laughs> you know and just the places my body takes me and, and, and yeah, and I don't treat it as well as I should often, often. I don't rest as much as I should and, or should, don't should all over yourself. But, you know, I had this just kind of moment of, of course my body's tired. Is it, you know, weird that I'm sick? It's been 30 years, this body has been schlepping me around. And for most of it, I've been resisting, (laughs) you know, for a lot of it, I've been resisting or fighting. And my body holds so much. My body holds everybody. I mean, it really does. And then I made my way to child's pose and I just felt so nurtured and so so close. I mean, close to earth, close to God, close to heaven, close to everything. And I kept going and so much came my way. And then I had this massive resounding moment of realizing because I have so many questions. I mean, we all have questions. I have so many questions. There's so many things I don't know that I want to figure out. I don't like not having the answers. I like being in control. I would like to know what's going to happen next. I want to know what to do to make a really good life. And there's so much I don't know. And then, you know, and I'm sick and I don't know why. And I feel uncomfortable and I don't know why. And I'm, you know, stressed and I don't know why. Da, 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 da. And I just had this resounding, it was almost like a voice spoke to me of like, I don't know. <laughs> And it was so intense. It was so, so intense. Just this, I don't know. And I don't know if I was speaking to myself or if someone was speaking to me, but it was just, I don't know. I don't fucking know. I don't know. I don't know. And the same way I would, you know, chant a mantra, like, I don't know, became my mantra. And I'm moving and I'm breathing. And it just became like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm sick. I don't know. I've been trying to find the answers now for months. I don't know. I'm not any closer to figuring anything out. I don't know. I don't know. I'm scared shitless all the time that someone's going to die. All the time. I mean, there's no way around it. All the time. I've had enough people die in my life that I know, like, the, the, the sh- other shoe's going to drop at any moment, you know. 
and I work with that and I've healed a lot of that a lot it doesn't doesn't change anything I know that life isn't always fair you know and I know that awful fucking shit happens to good people and there's a part of me always waiting for the next person to die and who's it going to be is it going to be my baby my husband my mom you know who is it I don't know <laughs> and it was so intense you know I don't know if anyone's going to leave me I don't know if I'm going to lose something I don't know and it became so profound this not knowing like I just don't know I don't know if any more people are going to die in my life I really don't know I, I have no clue and no matter how much I try to control things, no matter how much I try to hold on, no matter how much I try to orchestrate this perfectly controlled life where everyone's safe all the time, I can't because I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know and it, it was just, it was just so beautiful to let myself dwell in that not knowing and then I felt like, I don't know. And it's okay that I don't know. It was just, it felt, I felt it so strongly. It's okay that I don't know. Like, can I exist here in the not knowing? Can I live in this, with this? Yeah. At least then in that moment, yeah. I can. Do I have another choice? Actually, no. <laughs> I don't. I don't, I can't control it. I can't. And I was telling the story yesterday to Shuba of, of when my astrologer, Deborah was telling me when I was going through this very intense period of feeling so fearful that something was going to happen to the baby. And she said, Rachel, you're just a mother. You're not God. <laughs> you're just a mother. You're not God. And I'm just a mother. I'm not God. There's a limit to how much, of course, I can keep her safe and hold her hand and make sure she doesn't cross the street alone and all that stuff. You know, I keep her safe the way a mom can keep their child safe, but I'm not God. No, I don't, I don't control who lives or dies. And it was so, so beautiful to let myself be in that and to also feel like it's okay to let go of control. I can be here in this and still exist and still I'm here breathing, moving and still I feel love and still I feel present and I'm still here. I can be here and not know. And then again, everything changed and all of a sudden I felt this huge, like a smack in the head. I do know. <laughs> I do know, I do know. And there are certain things that I know. Right? There are certain things that I know. There are certain things that I know. Like I know I'm here. I know I'm doing the best I can every day. I know that. I know that. I know I'm trying really hard. You know, I know I'm, for the most part, I'm doing a good job. And then the culmination of this, and actually I was writing this on Instagram, but I ran out of space in my caption. So, so I felt like, okay, I wasn't meant to share. But all of a sudden, at the very end of the meditation, at the very, very end, like right before we closed, I saw in writing in front, in, like in my mind's eye, the name that Dennis and I have decided for a baby boy, if we ever have another baby. And I won't tell you the name in, in Aruba, it's bad luck to share the name of, of your future children before they're born, but we have this name that we know and all my life, I've wanted a more. Ch I've wanted a lot of children my whole life. You know, there's two years between me and my brother, and I always thought that I would have the baby, and then you know, around the same time as my the same gap between me and my brother, I would have we would have another one. We're already past that gap, and I just saw his name, you know, in my mind's eye, super intense, and then I felt like like my chest cracked open. <sighs> I'm crying now because just remembering it is so intense. I felt my chest crack open and this big, 
I do know, you know, what do I know? I know I want to have another baby. <laughs> I know I want to have another baby. And I haven't felt that before. People ask me all the time and, you know, I say, yeah, well, you know, we're busy and la la la. And truth of the matter is I really do. I really do. I'm just too tired. <laughs> like that's the reality of my life right now. All of last year, you know, would have been beautiful to be pregnant and, you know, for Loonies to have a little brother close to her age. But I've been too tired to let myself feel that longing because if I would really feel how much I want it, I would have to do something about it. And right now my life doesn't allow it. And it just, it was such a big realization for me that actually I have a longing to have a baby, but I'm so busy and so tired that I won't let myself feel that longing. <laughs> you know, that's how busy I've made myself that I won't let myself feel that longing because it's too much. <laughs> So I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried and I don't know, maybe it's you listening, it doesn't feel like a big deal, but for me, because I didn't know, I had this feeling of maybe I can't manage another one, you know, I feel like I'm barely, there are moments where I'm barely hanging on by a thread just with one easy girl, I mean she's easy, you know, how would I do it with two, and people do it with two, with three, with four, with five, all, all over the world, all the time, but for me it's this kind of capacity that I my mental emotional physical capacity is so stretched thin or spread thin holding so much doing so much even in this year which is kind of my maternity year like I've delegated so much and it's still yeah I'm still the same you know so letting myself actually allow that feeling to come forward you know, might lead to some sort of action and it might lead to some sort of change. So I've just been kind of the same way that I've been pushing, you know, I was explaining before, pushing anger away or pus pushing a feeling away. I've pushed this away. And now it was just so clear in my mind, like, yes, 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 yes. And I told Dennis and he wants another baby so bad. I mean, so bad. And, you know, for me to, to manage that, um, it requires a complete, 180 degree lifestyle change I can't lead 25 weeks of groups you know I can't have thousands of people literally thousands of people in my groups here for the bigger part of a year you know working 7 a.m to 9 p.m every day and also have another baby like it's not no way you know no way no way so and I've said this so many times you know that I'm slowing down and I feel like I have but I, I'm realizing that there's a difference between just working less or going for more walks or taking more baths or doing more things that are quote-unquote you know self-care and actually letting your system relax on a really deep 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 real genuine life-changing level and that for me I haven't managed yet and I think as long as I have these things in the future coming I probably won't be able to so this year for me is a, a definite practice in offloading and asking for help. Every retreat this year, I'm inviting a friend or a teacher to come co-teach with me, which is so beautiful. So it's part of that practice. And I feel like in a lot of ways, I'm okay. But 2020, I want to have a baby, guys. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> So yeah, that was the revelation of the week. <laughs> um, man, 
but just to kind of dial things back a little bit, you know, it's for me, it's really beautiful to, to share this with you. And it's really beautiful for me to let myself be open and stay open. And that's the challenge, you know, and we go through, it's just kind of the flow of life. We're going to open and we're going to close and we're going to open back up again. And that's how it goes. So I'm just here feeling my feelings, going through the motions, doing my very best. And I really, really hope that you are too. I know you're doing your best. If you have any doubt in your mind, whether or not you're doing a good job, you're doing a great job. You are. You're doing the best you can with what you have. A thousand percent, I assure you. I assure you, you are. And maybe what you need right now is just the same thing as I needed and the 50 women that spent the past week with me here. Maybe what you need is, is a little bit of space to feel. A little bit more space to feel. So we have another Healing the Heart retreat in December if you'd like to join us. And uh, my next retreat is in June in June and I have a mystery guest that's joining us that I'm going to announce next week but if you feel called to do this type of group work to do this kind of work on vulnerability of course with a component of yoga and meditation but if you want to you know crack your heart open in this way this year is the year to join us because next year I plan to be pregnant (laughs) oh man but really maybe what you need right now is to take a moment when this podcast is over and go sit in silence and cry a little bit. Yeah, or just lie down on your bed, close the door, turn your phone off, tell your kids to give give you five minutes and just feel, you know, what's present here right now. And sometimes we need a little bit of movement to get it out or to tap in. You know, go for a walk, be outside, practice some yoga, do something, dance, move. And then just to feel, you know, and if there's sadness there, let yourself cry. If there's frustration there, feel it, you know, move your body, shake it out. If there's anger, bang the shit out of a pillow, you know, if it's joy, sing, dance, just giving yourself space every day. And we got to do this shit every day, you guys. And that's the thing. It can't just be a retreat we do once for seven days and then we go home and things, you know, become the same again. We have to practice this all the time if we want to keep our hearts open. You know, there's no other way. If we don't want to go through life feeling numb, this is the way. So um, a little challenge for you right now. Hmm. Call it homework, if you will. The moment this podcast is finished, let yourself be vulnerable with a person in your life. Yeah, maybe it's a person that you're struggling with. Maybe it's a friend that you're kind of fighting with or feeling weird with. There's something unspoken there. Maybe a family member, maybe your spouse, your person boyfriend, girlfriend, anything that might feel a little bit, you know, strained or muddy or, you know, or if you don't have that, if you feel total clarity in all your relationships, you know, just your best friend, your mom, your dad, whoever, let yourself be vulnerable with them and just, you know, go grab a cup of coffee or call them up on the phone and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling right now. And then see where that takes you. Okay. Let's do a vulnerability practice today. Today. Okay. Pinky swear. Loving you guys with my whole, whole heart. See you next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this one, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of them on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. And of course, don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work, and thanks to my sponsors, Third Love, Ritual, and Bob's Red Mill. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.